Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. He's trying to divide Eve from God. He says to Eve, no, 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 no. God never said that. You'll be like God. Remember what Satan did. He divided heaven because he tried to be God. So in our life, the first thing Satan's always after is my relationship with God because he knows that's where life comes. That's where joy comes. That's where peace comes. Some of you, he's trying to divide it right now. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and live that way. It's okay. You can do it. There's no consequence. Oh, yes, there is. The biggest temptation in anyone's life isn't what they're being tempted to do. It's to doubt God's Word. Today, Pastor Mark points out that when Eve was enticed in the garden, it wasn't the tree, the fruit on it, or the bite that sealed her fate. It was the seed of doubt she allowed to grow in her mind, causing her to question God's simple command. There was freedom within God's design. She knew the boundaries, and she knew the consequence, yet she did the wrong thing. We're susceptible to the same situation. So listen in to find out what to do, not if, but when you hear, did God really say? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 1, with his continuing study entitled, Trials Are Trying and Temptations Are Tempting. God says, I'm going to unite you. I'm going to make you one. Two people becoming one. See, that's unity. Can two walk together and they agree? No. So he's going to make us one. A pastor never makes you one. God only makes you one. It's supernatural. He takes two people that are very different and he makes them one. And then he says this. The third is, the word is naked. It means intimacy. For a man, naked is sexual. Intimacy is sexual. And that's true. We're attracted. We're attracted, ladies, by you. Praise God. It's a good thing. But intimacy isn't just sexual. It's hard for us guys because we're wired different. It's spiritual and relational. You'll see in a moment... There's a friendship that has to be involved in a marriage. So there's what God says. He says to Adam and Eve, okay, leave. Put me first. Put your spouse first. Then he says, you're going to be one. And we're going to follow together. We're a unit. There's no I in team. There's no I in team. And as we begin to understand that, then there's going to be this intimacy. There's nothing more intimate than, than a husband and a wife who... They together, they're glued by God. It's a super glue by God. And they're physically and emotionally and spiritually together. That brings commitment, that brings friendship, and that brings sexual passion. That's the three kinds of love. Eros, agape, and ephileo. Now here's what happens in life. 
as we move on with life, different changes are all in those kinds of love, the sexual love and the whatever and the commitment. And, and we just have to go back to the commitment. That's what keeps us love. But the second thing that eventually becomes more important than the sexual is the friendship. We just love hanging together. Are you a helper? Do you have nothing to do with the way the home operates? Do you love giving to each other? Sexually? Intimately? What a joy. Now, I want to give you God's design and definition of marriage. I know the world doesn't agree with it. As I said, we, we love unbelievers, but you can't change. When I have that coffee grinder, there's only one way to make it work. The designer made it that way. I can argue with him all I want, but I can only make it one way. I want you to write the design down. This is God's design. He loves all people. Marriage was designed by God to be monogamous, to be heterosexual, and to be permanent. That doesn't go very well today. We know in the Bible there's reasons for divorce, adultery, unbeliever leaving, abuse in the home, beating up the spouse, whatever. There's, God, God was very gracious. He gave us reasons for divorce. By the way, if you're here divorced, maybe divorced one or two or three times, we're not talking about your past. You get a brand new start today. It's not the unpardonable sin. It is a sin. God hates it. Why does God hate divorce? Because he knows it's a death. So our culture says this. No, Pastor Mark, times have changed. What is wrong with you? Well, one day, watch me. Here we are in Genesis. Watch me. Here we are in Genesis. 4,000 years, Jesus is speaking. Well, will it have changed? The religious rulers come to Jesus, and they're going to ask him about divorce. What I love with Jesus is he doesn't go to divorce first. He goes, here's how marriage is to work. See, you want to be positive. Watch what Jesus says 4,000 years later after the design. Watch what he says to the religious leaders. Here it is, Matthew 19. I added the yellow so you can relax. Haven't you read? He says to the religious leaders, hey, you're the only guys with the books. Haven't you read the manual that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? Now, this should sound very familiar with what you just read in Genesis. Why? Because Jesus is quoting Genesis. And at the beginning, the creator, he made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave. There we go. His father and mother and be united. There we go. And the two will become one flesh. There we go. The same three key principles. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, don't screw it up. (laughs) Don't separate. So when I read that, what did we learn last week? God and his word never changes. If I'm going to live the Christian life, the person that has to change is me and you. God loves to unite Satan loves to divide. Satan is looking to divide you from God, from your relationships, from joy, from peace. God wants to unite you first to God, and then in our relationships, he wants to give us abundant life. Satan wants to steal everything from you, but he never shows us the hook. So as you think about this, I want to go and watch this passage in Genesis 3. So turn to Genesis 3, if you will. And, and we're going to see this, this temptation in our relatives, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were given some instructions from God. 
The designer gave his instructions. We already saw them. Adam and Eve know them. And here's the one no. Just one no. Just one no. See, people say God's a bad God. He's he's putting all these things around it. No, there's only one no. Look at it, what it says. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. The whole place is your baby. Enjoy. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good or evil. You must align the black dot with the other black dot. Just obey me. But if you don't, when you don't align the two dots on your coffee grinder, when you eat of it, you will surely... What's the last word? Does this sound like James? That the end result of taking the hook will be death? Yeah. It's the same. It's the same. So there's the commandment. And my sin... Remember, remember, Eve is not a sinner. But she has choice. The greatest thing you and I have is choice. Some people ask, why did God make us with choice? Why didn't he just say, you're not going to do it? No choice. If you're a parent, you want your child coming to you because they have to or because they love you? No, you want them coming because they want to. That's why God gave you and I choice. Now look at Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, Satan knew that marriage was the foundation of the home. He's after marriage. Eve is tempted to do one thing, doubt God's word. Doubt God's word. The biggest temptation in this story is not to eat the fruit, It's to doubt God's word. Now, notice, how does Satan come? Does Satan show up in the garden? There's Eve. Satan comes up, and he says to Eve, Hey, I'm Satan. I'm here to destroy your life with God and your marriage. Hey, how's that? Well, of course not. And one of the big ones will be, I told you one of the temptations, Eve You can become your own God. You can make all the decisions. Why serve a God that says, no, just do your own thing? Never shows her the hook. Never shows her the hook. She's deceived. She's tempted. Now, as you go through this, Notice what he says. I want you to write this down, then I'm going to explain it. Satan continues to tempt us to doubt God's word. Many of you are here this morning, maybe first time to the church and go, I don't know if I want to go to that church. That church teaches God's word like that. What's with that? Well, that's where freedom is. You see, has God really said this? Listen, some of you are saying today, has God really said don't sleep and live together before you're married? Has God really said don't commit adultery after you're married? Has God really said the grass is never greener, stay married? Well, yes, he has. Oh, by the way, as you think about that, as you think about that, when you walk through, why has God said no to that one? Because he just wants to see if we'll love him enough to obey him. That's all. That's all. God does all that for our protection. He does it all for our protection. Now, What's the temptation? Watch me. This is very clear. Very clear. Listen. God said, don't touch the tree. Not touch it. Don't eat it. Don't eat of it. Satan says what? 
No, God's lying. Eat of it. Now, this is very simple, and it will go to you. Either God is lying or Satan's lying. It's not complicated. Either God said it or he's lying or Satan is lying. There's no gray area. There is no gray area. In lots of things, are gray area. You just want to do the right thing. This is absolutely this way or that. There's only two options. Now, what's, watch what the woman says, verse 2. Well, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, she remembered, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. God didn't say that she added it, or you will die. Now, watch Satan, pure liar. That's all he can do. Look at verse 4. You will not surely die. What was he saying? Satan was saying this. Eve, there's no consequence to sin. Go for it. The lure, no hook shown. There's always consequences to sin. We all know that. That's why God's trying to protect us. Now watch this. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and here we come. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. What are the two things that Satan's trying to do? He's trying to do the same thing to you and to me. Has nothing to do really with marriage except the second part. Write these down this morning. What is Satan doing? Remember, Satan loves to divide. Here's what he's doing. He's trying to divide Eve from God. He says to Eve, no, 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 no. God never said that. You'll be like God. Remember what Satan did. He divided heaven because he tried to be God. So in our life, the first thing Satan's always after is my relationship with God because he knows that's where life comes. That's where joy comes. That's where peace comes. Some of you, he's trying to divide it right now. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and live that way. It's okay. You can do it. There's no consequence. Oh, yes, there is. Second, he's trying to divide Eve from Adam. He hates marriage. He hates the foundation of marriage. He's trying to break up the marriage. Now, Satan knows that if he can do that, sooner or later the home will fall. Marriage will fail. Jesus one time made this amazing statement. It's so simple, but we go by it. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Can I say to you this morning quickly, you can try to fix your life. You can try to go against God. But if you're divided against God, your, your life, your house, your marriage, your relationships, they won't stand. I've been counseling couples for almost 50 years. And here's what I've discovered. When a person's personal relationship with God is not healthy, every other personal relationship becomes unhealthy. So the issue for me in a marriage, if you're here this morning, and we, we all struggle in our marriages, every single one of us, because I'm selfish, then you want to focus not on what your spouse should do, but what you can do to get your relationship back with God. Once I'm back to obeying God, then my marriage will get back the way it should be, flowing together with friendship and companionship and closeness. So I want to give you a little definition and a little homework for you guys that are married. Now, if you're not married, it's good for you to look at because this is where you're headed. This is where you're headed in marriage. So here's the definition. Write this definition down today. What is the definition of marriage? It's very simple. Marriage is a lifetime commitment 
between two imperfect spouses and one perfect God. Could I hear an amen? amen? See, that's what makes the difference. I have a perfect God. He's graceful. He's going to help me. He's going to help me through this crazy thing called marriage that he designed. He's perfect. Now, why is the grass not greener? Many of you who have been divorced, you fall for that. Well, this person is going to be way better. Oh, they will be in A, B, and C, but D, E, and F to be worse than your first spouse. Why? Because they're imperfect people. There's no perfect. Oh, I found the perfect spouse. I said, come on down to the road. There are no perfect spouses. There's only one perfect God. Now, husband, here's what the scripture says. I kind of summarized it for you. Do submit, love, and lead your wife. Pastor Mark, submission is a woman supposed to submit to a husband. Yes, but before that, it says man and women are submit to each other. By the way, who do we ultimately submit to? God. It's your choice. So, husband, love. Love. It's a verb. The Bible says we're to love our spouse as Christ loved the church. What did he do for it? He died for it. And then lead. The husband is to lead the home with the spouse together. So the world can go, that's impossible. Yeah, but we have a perfect God. Wives, you're to submit. And you're to love. And here's the other part the Bible says for you to do. You're to respect your husband. Pastor Mark, if you knew my husband, there ain't an ounce of respect that I've seen in so long. You love him, and he'll grow to be a man that's respected. You do what's right. As we do that, God begins to restore us in our relationship. Well, you know what happened. Look at verse 6. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. Remember? After the choice comes the consequences. She also gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, to give you a summary, you know the summary, but it's important for us to see it. Pay attention. When God gave the simple commands, he said, this is how you do it. He said, if you don't do this, you will die. They disobeyed. God comes on the scene, the rest of chapter 3, and he said, I told you the consequence. You're going to die. Eve, you're going to die. Adam, you're going to die. Now, immediately they died spiritually. They died separated from God. Eventually, they died physical. By the way, when they sinned, that DNA went to you and me. I have the sin DNA this morning, so do you. That's why we're sinners when we're born. Every single person born a sinner. So I have that. What does that sin do? Sin always separates me from God. Some of you aren't Christians. What separates you from God? You, you can't be good enough. It's your sin. So the next thing we see is when Adam and Eve blew it, they went, whoops, we're naked. And off they went. They hid from God. And they tried to make their own covering. That's the first picture of work in the Bible. Well, I disobeyed God, so I'll be good enough now. Now, what did God do when Adam and Eve hid? They were guilty. What did God do? Did he just say, I'm through with you. 
You've had two divorces, I'm through with you. You're living with someone today, I'm through with you. You're, you're a homosexual, you're an alcoholic, you're an anger man, I'm through with you. Is that what God said? No, not at all. Who made the first move? God did. He went looking and he said this, Adam, where are you? He didn't have his iPhone with him, so he just asked him <laughs> where it was. No. Why did God say that? Because he wanted Adam to go, uh, here, and I need you. You can't be saved unless you repent of your sins. Some of you think God said this, Adam, where are you? That's not our God. Thank you, Jesus. He's not mad at you. He loves you. And he came to Adam and Eve. You know the whole story. What have you done? Well, Eve. I tell you, ladies, I get back to you. Husbands say amen. That's right. Yeah. The woman you gave me. So who is he blaming? God and who? The woman. They can be naked all the one. It's not going to be a good night in that room, I'll tell you. <laughs> and so what does Eve say? It was the Satan that caused me to do it. It was the devil. Listen, listen, listen. The devil can never cause you to sin ever. What was the first thing we said at the beginning of this teaching? It's my choice. I can always say no to Satan through the power of God. Well, when they got done with all that, you know what God did? He says, take that crazy leaves off. And he walked over and he killed an animal. First death, the wages of sin is death. He killed an animal and he skinned the animal and he made clothes for Adam and Eve. See, my works are no good. That was a picture of the cross that you see right there. Jesus would be the Lamb of God that would lay his knife down for your sin and my sin. And we have the first prediction in Genesis 3, 15 and 16 that there was a Messiah coming. See, God forgave them and fixed them, but you and I needed it. And that's why Jesus Christ came. He took on him your sin and my sin. And I have the chance to allow God to restore me, to forgive me, to bring me back in relationship to Him. I want you to see one verse, then we're going to pray. This is what I want you to focus on this week. Look at this verse. But as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Throughout your day today, when you're trying to do life right, but you're struggling with temptation, remember what Pastor Mark just taught. Satan will use anything to try and separate you from God and your relationships, destroying your joy and peace. God wants to give you an abundant life by living within his design, but the devil wants to cause you to doubt this. Don't take the bait and keep in mind, God loves to unite, Satan loves to divide. In his letter, James addresses practical issues of life that are as well as current as 
this morning's newspaper. You know, in our hostile world, we know that trouble is, well, simply part of our lives. Hardships, disappointments, tragedies, rejection, fear, persecution, conflict, unrealistic expectations, financial, marriage, and even family troubles. You see, God's Word never promises us to spare us from these trials, but God promises always to help us face these trials. Well, the book of James speaks to many of those issues. It's interesting that James himself, who was Jesus' half-brother, never really became a believer in Jesus until after the resurrection. So we see from James that he struggled with these same things about belief. And because he overcame that and came to faith in Jesus Christ, he writes to the Jewish people that no matter what you're facing, you can overcome the hostile world. A world that really is hostile to biblical truth and to a biblical lifestyle. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Scripture says it like this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. When we listen more, we become more God-centered, which helps us to be more other-centered. Be sure to tune in next time on Lessons for Living as Pastor Mark will teach us how important it is to apply this rule to every relationship we have, especially the one with God. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of James. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear